0: Hello, everybody. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Western Hunting Summit. The Western Hunting Summit is just in a couple weeks from now here in Bozeman, Montana. It's going to be our first annual event, and it's all around mentorship and helping you cut the curve on your next hunting adventure we're going to be talking about all things backcountry uh, backcountry success tactics gear um, e-scouting motivation mindset uh, fitness nutrition And um, not to mention, there's going to be two days of hiking for the VIPs with Ryan, Cody Rich, Brian Barney, and a barbecue with a shootout, a night shoot for um, some giveaways as well as a private performance by our very good friend, Dave Brinker. So if you're still interested and you're maybe on the fence and you want to come, you can use Stay Healthy 100 all caps to healthy 100 and get a hundred dollars off your entry fee we have i think two vip spots left and just a handful of weekend warrior spots but we'd love to see you there WesternHuntingSummit.com. use the promo codes to healthy 100
1: all right let's do this
0: Today's podcast is going to be a Q and A about gardening. Uh, Ryan and I, obviously, a lot of you want to hear more gardening information. It is gardening season, and we just really haven't had much content to provide as far as personal content with the gardening yet because of Montana, and we just got our garden up literally a week ago. Since Ryan and I recorded this podcast, a winter storm came in, and lightning storms and rainstorms, and it was. There was one night of freezing and we had planted a bunch of stuff and some of it, most of it survived, but it's definitely a totally different ball game here in Montana. And so this podcast, Ryan and I sit down before, literally hours before he leaves for an international trip and we answer your gardening questions. Make sure if you haven't already go to our website, you can see pictures from our Washington garden, which, uh we miss and we loved and uh western washington's a different blogging than montana but you can see pictures there of our gardens for the last couple years from beginning to end you can also go to our instagram page right now highlights go to the garden mont mt garden montana and you can see us going from the beginning until through this season follow us there um Also, on the website, hunthorosealth.com, if you go to programs, under programs is what's called free downloads. And under those free downloads, I have a few gardening downloads. Um, One is called the Big Three, where we talk about the Big Three gardening nutrients. Um, There's a sprouting guide on there. Um... Uh, the gut restoration program is there. There's a bunch of uh, the cognoscopy um, for brain health that is on there. So there's a bunch of free downloads. Don't miss that. Um, I know I need to add more to that Uh, And I'm hoping in the future I can get to that and and add more content there. But there's plenty of information right there, um, right now. As well as we do have a Gardening 101 series that we did last year. Um, You can check that out and I reference those in this podcast. Um, But for now, hopefully we answer some of your questions and we just get down on a little bit of gardening. (laughs) Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. This is Doc Hillary, as usual, starting the intro. <laughs>
1: and I'm on here today. Okay, you need to speak just up. just kind of uh, r- been rare. There
0: you go, yeah, put it closer. Okay. There you go. Uh, we're sitting in a coffee shop in Bozeman right now, so if you're hearing a little bit of feedback or background noise, that's what it is. Um, Ryan is getting ready to go on a trip today so we are stopping real quick to do a podcast because we got a bunch of questions from this last weekend um of gardening and we figured it's gardening season so we should start putting out a little bit about gardening since we haven't done that in probably a year yes yeah
1: it's a little lot later than what we're typically accustomed to starting usually we're gosh we're we got our garden in in april and yeah it's uh it's June, but we're just in a completely different zone here. So always worried about that late frost.
0: Do you want to give a little bit of a, um, do you want to give a little bit of background on our last few weeks? We're yep. talking about the garden and kind of what the, let's actually just talk a little bit about the process because I feel like a lot of people want to know that these are new gardeners, people picking this up. Um, and I would almost consider us new gardeners at this point, meaning we're in a totally different climate. Like you said, we're, we have a bare piece of land with like nothing on it, except new um, ground to sage and grass and, and, um, clay soil. And oh my gosh, it's, it's like starting over again. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So
0: maybe give a little bit of background on the process that we've been going through and then we can get into some
1: questions. Okay. So first off we are in kind of like some prairie country in Three Forks, Montana, so uh completely different environment. We don't even have a tree on our property yet. That's, no. that's coming. But, um, so the soil that we're dealing with now is so, so very different than what we dealt with back in, uh, the wet coast back there in, in Washington. So, um, you know, first thing when I got there, I, I'm looking at the soil and looking at the grass and obviously there was a little bit of, um soil brought in for you know the lawn and all that kind of thing but outside of that and one of the better spots for us to put a garden the soil was very very poor it's very clay i um i had quite a challenge of just digging post holes in this clay it was so compact very very poor drainage and um What I was gonna do was start off with four posts on corners and drive stakes, Uh, just T posts. But uh, uh, I was getting a little guilt from Doc Hill, just a little bit, a little scotch guilt. Just, uh, man, wouldn't it look better if it was all wooden posts all the way around? So in the end, I don't know how many posts I ended up digging. Um, I don't know, maybe 20, 24. So Something let's like back that.
0: up here a little bit. Um, one of the if you go to our Instagram story on our highlights, we have a section that says Montana Garden or Garden in Montana. It's gonna it's gonna document basically our process from the beginning to the end. And there's a lot of pictures of Ryan using a pulse hole digger to dig these horrible poles. And the number one question we asked is like people were like, Why, why isn't he using an auger? auger? Can right, you answer I can, that?
1: I can answer why I didn't use an auger. Yeah. First off I'm a cheapskate. And yeah, uh, true. we we live kind of out, so just going to uh, town to get the auger was going to be about 40 minutes, 40 minutes back. Like a four-hour minimum was not that crazy, but I hate going back and forth. So like a full day, it was going to be a couple hundred bucks. And, and uh, we had rain during the week that I wanted to get these posts dug. And if you know anything about Montana mud or clay or gumbo... It's almost impossible to do anything. Um, they didn't have any small, like gas powered, that I could just maneuver around myself. Augers, they had something I had to hook up to my trailer. It would have been great, but I could not have driven my truck on the ground to get that auger to where I wanted it. Right. <laughs> the truck would have just sat there so i figured well i can just get this done with a post hole digger a lot faster instead of having to wait two three days for it to dry out and then another squall would come through lay down some rain so i did not get it for a couple reasons didn't want to drive to town it wouldn't have worked if i would have got one um and i talked to these people as well about the clay the really really hard compact clay and they said yeah they have trouble um even with the augers just clogging up and actually biting and driving in. So oh well. It's just a little bit of work. And uh, <laughs> it's
0: fun to watch. A little
1: bit of postal holding So <laughs> it was no big deal. Yeah. But, um okay. So we got that done. Got the the first first thing was um no point in putting the garden in unless you get a deer fence around here because we got deer everywhere. And so um deer fence is seven and a half feet tall. Just ran a bunch of round poles everywhere, concreted them in. Ran just a really, it's like a thin black mesh deer fence. Mm Could have ran wire, but wire's a real pain on uneven ground. Um, And this this black stuff, you just see right through it. It's like it's not even there when you're looking at a distance. So um, it's pretty cool. I think it looks good out there and it'll Mm -hmm. keep the the deer out. But um, that was first and foremost, get the fence in. Really easy to stretch that stuff when you're on like a slanted sloped,
0: Type. Yeah, it works really well. It's super fast. We had like yeah. minus the fence poles. Those took days or a week or whatever to get totally done. But that, yeah, that would, fencing would, we did in like, we did all that in like an hour or two.
1: Yeah. For example, like um, how the soil was, I would dig a post hole. I would go down a couple of feet and then a um, rain squall would come through and it would take, I don't even know how long to, for that water to like go away. Yeah, they were full of water. They just fill up with water. Yeah. So that's how compact the clay was. But um, yeah, so that was a challenge, but we got it done.
0: I think another challenge we might face is hail storms here. We um, were doing the fence that first weekend and we got slammed with like within almost like a minute. It was raining and then it was full on (laughs) uh, like hail coming out like. The flowers are destroyed. The dogs are freaking out. Everybody's trying to get in the house, and it was just a. I can't imagine if we're having those kinds of hailstorms and we have plants out there in the garden. I don't know. It yeah, it crops, might be a little bit destructive. Over here,
1: crops get they can get tattered pretty fast with big hailstorms. I remember yeah. a long time ago, and I was over here fishing the Missouri, and uh, had a huge hailstorm come through. I mean, it was chipping paint off the hood, um, breaking windows, and there was a lot of crop damage. But that was a long time ago. But um, oh yeah, if, if if I would have planted all my starts and then had that hailstorm come through, it oh. would have just broke them to pieces. You yeah. know when you you know that little thing on the top of your hat, the little <laughs> the little hard thing. Yeah. You know when you hit that thing and it really hurts. I had a couple of pieces of hail hit that, and um, those real big ones that yeah. are like dime size plus. Yeah, you could really feel those. Yeah, you were like ah. it came so fast. It was like. Trying to get all my stuff, my drills and everything in, but didn't quite make it without taking some shrapnel.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say that I gave in to the green things, whatever they're called, the stakes. Because, you know, we were like, okay, you know, we're, we're trying to save money. But then I was like, well, we're building like a new fence and it's going to be our garden for a while. Let's try to make it nice. And I think you just... Kind of over the week, you, like, followed me. Plus, my mom had a bunch of poles laying, just laying around her property. We had bought all these poles. And then my mom has this piece of property that's just, she was a massive gardener, and they had outdoor stuff. You know, she never, now she's, like, wants to retire and not do any of that stuff. So, Ryan, but you picked up some more poles. I scored
1: probably another eight poles that were 10-footers. Yeah, so that,
0: I think, motivated you to uh, also do the full fence with the nice fence poles. Yep. Yeah, so the fence so the, is currently done, but you built some gates.
1: The fence is done. Little got the gates, cute on, gates. Um, and uh, and then it was about boxes. So,
0: yeah, if boxes. If
1: people see those photos, you can kind of see there's a lot of rock in there. So that piece I wanted to have the garden beds just happened to have a giant pile of rocks, like right in the middle of it. Um, those things are a real bugger to move around. I'll tell you that much without like a bobcat or something, but um. So I just decided I would flatten those out and level my boxes amongst those rocks. That's why there's rocks all around those beds, or I would have I never used them, but they were there, it kind of worked out. So I got all the beds leveled, uh, built, oh gosh, I think seven beds, just anything from four by eights to little, you know, three by five beds. Plenty for this first year to, uh, you know, grow what we want. It's going to be a work in progress. There's a lot of things I uh, I need to start on earlier next year. Um, you know, we had, I started a lot of starts a while back in yeah, the basement. Yeah, so tell us
0: how you did that. People are asking.
1: Oh, I just got a rack, you know, like a, a five-tier rack, uh, cheap $100 rack or whatever it was. And then uh, I got LED lights use T five or led lights and they're about four feet long, 48 inches Mm -hmm. and ran those right under the the top racks and had plenty of light. And I did a bunch of starts and so we know know, we got everything from kale to beets to, um, charred to beans, peas, uh, all kinds of things started well ahead of time. So that was good because you just never know about that frost here in this growing zone. Um, they really say here, your last frost could be June 1st to June 10th. That's kind well, of
0: uh, it was where you don't want to
1: start ahead of time. Sometimes I would even push that a little bit back in Washington just to see if I lucked out. I try to push it a couple weeks. Um, sometimes it would, sometimes it wouldn't, and would get rain for a week and it would just wash. Well my mom
0: says the rumor here is never plant things in the ground that can't survive it until the snow is off the bridges. If we, cause remember like last week or the, we got like a dusting, we woke up and the bridges were dusted with snow and my mom said, no, it's too early. That's gonna, she said, that's the old folks tale around here.
1: So I can look out this window right now. There is a pile of snow. Well,
0: not bridges. that top snow, babe, but like when it's down low, right? Like it dusts <laughs> sure. and it's still yeah. snowing a little bit. And it, even if it's melting every day, if there's still that, she yeah, says, don't plant. There's it's still going to be early. a
1: threat, but I think we're pretty good. She
0: also lives in the mountains. We live yeah, out Yeah, we're way,
1: way different from where she's at. Yeah. just she's uh she gets storms she gets a lot more snow than we do um probably three times more snow than we do actually at least but um yeah yeah so so we <laughs> got had like
0: a 12 foot snow drift outside her back door for yeah. like a month
1: so we got the beds in um soil we didn't have any really good workable soil on the property no. itself so um i saw some questions on there about What are you using for soil? And honestly, I asked around trying to find, you know, a good clean soil from a lot of folks. And I was referred to this one nursery who had some. And, you know, so I had a truck come in and dump, uh, I think, five yards of soil, spread out a tarp, put the soil on it. And it was a good mix of, you know, uh, compost and um and uh, a little bit of, little bit of this, a little bit of that where, you know, it it looked like it was a good garden mix. You know, there was some bark in there and uh, some, some compost. So I used that as kind of a base to kind of get the boxes started. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be the best soil. It's not going to be the most nutrient-dense soil in the world, but I have to have a base. And, um, you know, you can get crazy and spend geboggles of money on really really rich soil or you just kind of build your own over time so i use that um our friend uh,
0: matt um our hemp friend matt told you to he gets his soil from colorado Colorado. and ryan was like
1: uh Uh, that's about a thousand dollars i don't want to spend for soil
0: but he's he's growing other things for medicinal purposes so
1: No, he was a good, um, I talked to him for a while about a lot of things and he had a lot of good recommendations on soil and products and things. So, um, So
0: what are you adding to the soil? So we get the soil that's a a nice soil. It's a base soil, Mm -hmm. right? And then when you're putting it in the box, what are we adding to the soil to enrich that soil? First of all, let's talk about the box. Let's back up a little bit. The box now we have the soil pile they delivered to us. Yeah. Tell us about what's in the box on the bottom okay. because that was the number one gardening question we've gotten this week. All right. So there's, about
1: two, the cardboard. there's two things. We live in gopher country now. Um, right. So we've got a lot of gophers. So every box I line with a very small mesh wire that will keep them from digging underneath the boxes up and destroying the garden. Um, So, yeah, I ran a mesh. I stapled mesh to the bottom of every one of those boxes. And then on top of the mesh, I ran as much cardboard as we had. And I've always done that. And it's worked really well to what it does. It kind of snuffs out the weeds, right? It it takes a while for it to break down. Um, If you add, gosh, a couple, three boxes layer-wise on top of um, your bed there, it it really does wipe those weeds out it snuffs them out and then over time as that cardboard breaks down that's a good mulch to have it's worm food Um, it actually brings worms in and they feed on it you get a good vermiculture going and um so i've always done that it's just a easy cheap way to kind of um you know start off your box right and then i'm adding soil on top of that but Yeah. Keeping gophers out of the garden is going to be a challenge. I've got, I've still got a few projects I got to do with the fence. Um, aside from having Paley, you know, with her pellet gun sitting outside the window and (laughs) plinking gophers that are trying to eat stuff out of our garden. Um, so yeah, cardboard wire mesh got the dirt in there. Now what we're adding to the dirt is any kind of like a clean organic matter. Um, I did get some, some peat moss. I don't have access to any like peat bogs or anything over here, but so I bought some just sphagnum peat moss. Um, and I use that. So what that does is that's great for adding to your existing soil to keep it from drying out a lot too much. It adds like, gosh, it adds like 20, keeps like holds 20% moisture more. So if you're just doing it. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll add, you know, a bag of peat. I'll mix it in, try to keep that mix with worm castings and any organic compost that you've got. I mean, yard clippings, leaves, anything like that, add that and kind of mix that up in the top six to eight inches of your soil of your bed. And because um, that's going to be the number one thing around here in the summer, it's really hot. So you get this easy to dry out. You could just you know fry the roots on all your starts if you don't have a good mulch going in there, um, good composted soil, something that's going to retain the water and not just have it dry out so fast. And you don't want to be water- watering two three times a day. All right. Um, so that's a real simple way to go. Is just get some um, some peat moss, mix that in as well as some good organic matter. And that'll be a process that we continue to do over time as we cut the lawn, we'll be using the, try to cut the lawn to where you're not getting dandelion seeds, like um, mm-hmm. in your yard clippings. So when you add that to your, to your garden beds and around your plants, which also holds water, you can just put a layer of grass around you know, each plant, that holds water as well. And then it's a good um, mulch or um, compost that'll just kind of uh, work itself into the soil and add some nutrients and and that's that's a simple, cheap, easy way to do it. Is just use what you have on your property. But um, again, try to keep the seeds out. If you got dandelions like uh, just loaded with seeds and you're raking up that grass to put in there, you just added a bunch of dandelions to your garden beds.
0: Right. So
1: try to keep your, gra- your grass tight. Um, don't use the stuff around dandelions. I we don't we don't have a ton
0: of we do have dandelions, but I don't feel like they um that there's not a ton, and they're not like in Washington. We would get these dandelions that were like on steroids, ginormous well. dandelions, and now they're like little <laughs> tiny dandelions. So.
1: Well, here, as soon as they pop out, the wind pulls yep. those seeds off. Yep. Back home, you get these nice big fluffy. Yeah. balls of seeds that the wind wouldn't take them right away. Here it kind of blows every day. so.
0: Well you know the lion tea, root tea that I've been making the last few years which we have podcasts on and stuff on the um, website about it yeah. I don't think it's going to be that easy here to get some nice deep long roots to make a know. dandelion tea. Be I don't know. Interesting.
1: Just... I, I dug some up the other day that were kind of next to one of the boxes, and there was a pretty good amount of roots in there. Yeah. decent amount. It doesn't go down too far, but that yeah. clay soil is I brutal. i have got to try
0: that. Yeah. So. Okay, so we we have that. What, so you've put the um, you've put the peat in there, mm-hmm. right? And now, what else would you put in there? compost any compost you have
1: if you've been you know composting food scraps uh, if you have a worm bed anything like that that's it's a good time to add um you know worm castings is a good one so if you have your own worm bed which i've always had easy access to worm castings it's it's just something that's been at the shop at all times so over here it's a little more of a challenge to get those and they can be kind of expensive so i'm definitely going to introduce some red worms um into the garden once everything gets going mm-hmm. and then you want to keep them there you want to constantly feed them uh, that's going to be leaves grass clippings anything you can come up with to kind of add into leaves. your garden we don't have these <laughs> but we have to go oh, we have no down leaves. to the valley to, to grab some yeah so okay yep
0: um and then is there anything else that you would put in there right now it's,
1: it's about all I, it's about all we really have okay. i think um you know, obviously when you're transplanting like your starts, uh, there's some really good stuff out there that, uh, it kind of like it supports the root system when you're first planting it. So I take that, I can't even remember what it's called. I've had it forever. It's like a root stimulator and, and I'll just take a bowl and mix that with some water and every plant that I, uh, replant every start that I replant, I just kind of let it soak in there for a little bit and let it Completely get around all those roots. I kind of break up the wad at the bottom
0: mm-hmm.
1: from the starts and then I plant it. And it's just kind of like a jump start, mm. um, which is nice because I've noticed over the years when I use that, those plants specifically, they green up very quickly mm. and they take off. The ones that I don't, it just kind of takes a while. Mm. So they, because the roots get a little bit of shock right, uh, right after uh, you replant them. So, um, and then after that, I had some fish fertilizer, some emulsion that I used and, uh, spread that out. Not too heavy now, but, um, just a little bit of extra boost to the soil. And that's really all I've, all I've done so far. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's just the very beginnings of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, What's going to be interesting is how and what, what works, what doesn't work. That's going to be where taking mm -hmm. good notes, um, you know, my daughters love peas. I don't know how peas are going to do here, especially this time of year. It's going to get hot fast. So uh, yeah. generally, peas do fairly well in a warm, but not like full sun, hot, hot. Uh, they're kind of a cooler weather. They do well in the spring, early spring, not so well in the midsummer. So I don't know how we're going to do on the peas. They did great downstairs Maybe in we the basement. Maybe need to plant the peas
0: on the north side of the house where it gets a lot of shade or something. Along yeah. the dog kennel, <laughs> I don't
1: know. Well, I think the dogs are over there. It's going to be warm, and I think rather than do that, I'd, I'd probably be better served to run a little bit of shade cloth or something like that yeah. in front of them. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be. We're going to see what works and what doesn't. We're right. really curious on, especially the greens, the collards, the kales, the chards. Um, spinach is another cool weather. I'm not even going to plant spinach. I, I don't think it'll work. Um, Now that it's already in the 80s, it'll just bolt really fast. So uh, I think I'll stay away from that and stick with the old tried-and-true collards and chard or kale.
0: Cool. Um, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about water, speaking about heat and trying to not have the soil dried out. Um, Are we going to do any irrigation stuff this year? I mean, we have a pump. We have the hose. Well, I've got a
1: well. Um, Yeah right there next to the garden, which is had a lot to do with why I put the garden there. Yeah. It's a flat spot, a well, thing it was just easy access. So, um, right now, because I'm leaving, uh, and so that you don't have to stand out there and physically water, I <laughs> put in a sprinkler so that you can just kick, kick on the, the pump and it just waters everything. So that'll be what I'm using right now. Now, when I get back from this trip, I got a lot of things I need to do, run some soakers, um, on the um certain plants the squash all that kind of thing uh get some soakers in there and and make it easy on us but right right now it's um it is what it is i was super limited on time trying to cram (laughs) as much as i could into this week before i head out Mm -hmm. so
0: okay but i kind of like
1: honestly i and then what i've always liked to do is go out in the evenings and water um just with the hose like Stand there and water water everything. I know how much is getting on there and then I'm covering everything and um we'll see. I was a little worried about being gone and knowing how busy you are and the girls, so <laughs> I don't I don't know. Uh it'll be interesting. Hopefully I don't come back to a bunch of dead plants.
0: Hey, <laughs> uh, the garden is like right in your face. I cannot miss it. Yeah. And it is, it's totally different here. I mean, in Washington, we could get away with not watering more. Yeah. So you could say, like, oh, I'm busy. I didn't get to uh, it today. And things are not going to die. Like here, yeah. I mean, I'm up early. I see it. Yeah, like, that's, I'm that's not going to cool neglect it, but it's Hill different. It goes out here. on
1: runs now every morning at like yeah. five. So, um, yeah, I just have it just set water up. Then. You can just kick on the uh, the pump. And it'll water while you're running, come back and kick it off. And we should be good to go for the day. So Yeah. Um, Don't
0: worry. I'm going to try really hard. (laughs) I mean, most of you probably think, because I'm the naturopath, that I, I used to have the greener thumb than Ryan, but he is now the super green thumb. And sometimes I will take blame for not watering things perfectly. But like I said, Washington was different. And I was like, oh, I can get away with it today and not water it. Here, it's like... It's gonna be a totally different here you story. Go. Heat, sun, one and day wind. of not like your squash starts. We're just literally outside yesterday, and it was like seventy-five, but they were in that intense sun, and they all looked like they were just about it was, to die. It and was you had to windy. bring them in the house. So yeah. I, one day is makes a huge difference a here. A few
1: hours in just small peat pots, and uh, with that wind, and it just dries out and everything really fast. So
0: I mean, yeah, definitely
1: an issue. The wind is gonna be probably the toughest to navigate we're going to have to do a lot of um you know mulch built into that soil constantly i think all the yard clippings are going to be just kind of like you know surrounding the base of every plant and just kind of keep filling up those garden beds with with grass clippings yeah which is really all we have at this place
0: yeah we do have a lot of grass clippings so you mowed yesterday and we have a nice well you know this winter we we actually i remember you asking me you said uh was it you that said, do you think the guy just spray-painted the grass to make it look green? Because it, like, hit a certain time, and it just went to, like, yellow. And it was, like, horrible, like, no color. But then May came, and all of a sudden, now it's, like, this vibrant green grass. Well, it's when weird. we got
1: there in November, it was really green still. Like, yeah. really green. And it was, like, an odd color green. But Yeah, it
0: was blue-green.
1: Yeah, it had a really cool color. And I was like, man, that's something I... I haven't seen it's not like a lush <laughs> green it's like a blue green so it was odd um and i thought well maybe this guy like sprayed something on it just for yeah. selling it in the winter but no it, it dried out and then you know once we started coming into spring it just went super lush so i think we're used to washington
0: it where it's green all year round almost with the exception of the yeah. really cold month i mean it's like evergreen there so yeah here it definitely gets brown how it is okay um let's see we talked about the boxes uh what else um we did get a question about do you guys ferment your own kombucha or kefir uh you can go back to episode 12 way back at episode 12 where ryan and i we did a food friday on kombucha yes we were kombucha snobs for a long time And I've done one kombucha batch since I've been here, but I'm hoping this summer to get back on that train. Um, I had some amazing um, scobies and they were just having babies like crazy. I was given scobies left and right. And the last scoby I ended up not bringing those scobies with me. And then I bought one and it didn't do very well. It didn't really ferment very well. So I'm going to get back on that train. But yes, um, episode number 12, we talk about making your own kombucha. We never talk about kefir. Ryan was making his own yogurt for a while. So we have also an episode on making your own yogurt, which is kind of like you can make kefir with that. Um, but you get those little tapioca balls or where those kefir balls are and you can just make kefir yeah. drink. Um, but I've never done kefir partly just because we're not a huge dairy family like if we do anything we're doing a little cheese or we're doing like yogurt but I should try making kefir that'd be great
1: I think the only thing we're feeding right now is sourdough
0: yeah, so That's we do it. lots of sourdough uh, lately. It's like in everything that we make, if we're making any type of pancake. It's pretty much all our pancakes are is sourdough and eggs.
1: eggs. That's it.
0: And the girls are like, no, dad, we don't <laughs> want pancakes again. Um,
1: That's just so easy.
0: But my girls won't necessarily eat straight up eggs, which seems kind of weird, right? Because we now have chickens and we have amazing eggs again. Um But they will eat these pancakes, and they're just basically full of eggs. And then they get a little bit of the fermented sourdough. I'm also hoping to have some sourdough experts on the show. I think sourdough is really intriguing um, because it, you are using grains and there's this whole movement right now about, you know, not eating any grains and not eating any of that, but how sourdough can actually break the grains down and make them more digestible. So it's that old school thing of fermentation and how it changes, um, helps support the bacteria in the food as well as in our guts. And so, I want to learn, I want to learn a lot more about sourdough. I kind of need to go back to that. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. What kind of wood did you use on the garden boxes? I think that's a big question we get as well. And do you use treated, untreated? We've probably talked about this in the past, but.
1: Yeah, I just use untreated. I don't really want the treated stuff. Um, Why? In there. Just the chemicals. Um, yeah. Try to avoid all that. And, uh, yeah, honestly, you know, when you think about longevity of a box, even when it's untreated, you would you would almost think that it would rot faster than it does. But man, you get years, you get so many years out of an untreated box that, um, you know, if a board does rot out or whatever, you can add to it. But they're super easy to make. Right. And, uh, and untreated isn't that expensive. And um, yeah, they still last a very, very long time if you build them right
0: yeah, and we had some lumber left over. We had our basement framed, uh, yeah. and so Ryan used some of that for the smaller boxes, whatever, or whatever. I... and they look great. The boxes are amazing looking. Yeah. So Jesus. now he's going to build me some for a long house where I can plant perennials and lavender and have some lavender beds and some perennial beds. Yeah. Um, because our soils does suck, we kind of have to have boxes even if we want to do perennial beds yeah. and stuff like that. Um, all right let's see this is a big question if you want to listen to we did a gardening series last summer called the gardening 101 series that's episode 58 61 and 62 we get into starting a garden we talk about garden boxes and we also talk about soil which is a big big deal and if you start researching soil boy, you can go down the rabbit hole um, soil is pretty much the, if, if our soil and our topsoil are going bad, it's, it's, a, it's a crisis, folks, because soil is everything. It's kind of like the bees disappearing, the topsoil gone. Like, these are the things that really sustain and create life. So you can go back to 62 and learn about soil. Um, but this is kind of a big, broad question. Somebody asked, tips for those wanting to start a garden. Why don't you give me your number one tip? for somebody who wants to start, who's never gardened.
1: Oh man. Uh, Number one tip. I don't know what one tip would be. Oh, you can do more than
0: one if you want.
1: Figure out what you want to grow, what you like first off.
0: Well, what your climate can do.
1: Yeah. What climate you're in. And then also, um, you know, what's it going to take to get the right soil to grow it. And if you have time um, to manage your garden, a lot, I see a lot of gardens go in and by midsummer, they're all weeds, and there's very little, you know, produce at the end of it. Uh, so it is definitely not a time saver. It's it's a it's time suck. No matter how yeah. you cut it, gardening takes some time. It's a lot of upkeep. Um,
0: You've heard me eat. complain about how we can't have a life in the summer because we're basically <laughs> living in our garden. <laughs> our garden plants have to be tended it's well, like our dogs. We, and we then revolve if you do it around right, our garden. You know,
1: you're you're putting that food up. Um, right. You know, obviously you can eat a lot of it as you go, but you also have a pile of stuff going into the fall. And you know, we know when hunting season starts, we got to have all that like put up. Right. During the beginning of that, so a lot of canned food, a lot of dehydrated uh, greens, all that kind of stuff. So there is a lot of time. I, I would just.
0: Do you want my number one tip? Sure. Just. Do a small box, like a small box. If you have the yard or a big planter, if you have a deck or whatever, figure your soil out, figure out a good mixture of soil. What keeps moisture, what um, things grown and pick a couple things that you like to eat. Lettuce is easy, pick some greens. I don't know, maybe do a tomato or something and just try to get your soil figured out and your soil right and don't go huge that's where time management See, I'm, sucks you I'm like, the
1: opposite if you have time go huge and yeah then but
0: if you've never gardened do you think you should works. go with a ginormous garden I don't think so I think you should go with like a small garden get the soil figured out get your climate figured out understand what plants you like what food you know most people if you grow one row of lettuce in a box, that's pretty good. You can eat on that. Or one row of kale and one row of carrots. Okay, but here's, in here's our house, my problem it's with like, that. uh It's um. like... It's like six rows of carrots and like three boxes of kale. And yeah, but
1: if you, if you take that approach, here's my dilemma with, with starting really small. If you take that approach, it's going to take you years to figure it out. No, because
0: cause it would take a year and maybe you'd be like, oh, this works. I have time for I this. Say, i got my soil figured out. Then you can build five boxes get the next some, year. Get,
1: some, get, a, get about 10 crops you want to put in and take notes. Figure out what yeah. worked, what didn't work. Um, you know, test your soil, figure out the pH of it. And see what kind of conditions worked for certain plants, but take notes and make sure. Because if you're like me, you just kind of forget that do stuff. You take notes. You think, <laughs> yeah, I take notes. You do. I especially when you're like planting early season and you're not yeah. starting having starts. Okay, you have to like map it out. Say you're going to plant this with that. There's so much you could dig into. Companion planting is one. Um, yeah. If you're going to plant, you know, corn, you could also put. Uh, peas amongst your corn, they'll actually run up the corn stalks if you stagger it right and offer some shade, which is something that I could have done this year if I'd had corn. And uh, that would have probably ended up having me a little bit better luck with peas. But we'll see how that turns out Mm -hmm. anyway. So there's a lot of companion planting, strawberries, beans, all kinds of things. And and just dig in, get on the Googleizer and figure out what (laughs) plants go with what and I would say that I, I would say don't start too small if you just do one row of lettuce then you mm-hmm. got to hold another year to wait before you uh, figure out what's it gonna take to grow a really nice big onion oh, okay so I would just say take notes try to get start composting all your food scraps mm-hmm. lawn clippings get get good soil um, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I would say start there and I' Get some chickens, you get the manure, just kind of pre plan all that stuff.
0: Well, Ryan and I, last year, we put together this, the big three garden macronutrients. It's a free download off our website. If you go to uh, programs under free downloads, you can download that there and it's going to go through the three big macronutrients that your soil needs and your plants need and why they need them and why they're important. I think that's also a good place to start because a lot of people's like, oh, they got this great soil, but maybe they're watering it too much or, you know, greens, things with like root vegetables are different than. Greens that are growing above the ground, and like how much of these macronutrients they need, and stuff like that. So, that's yeah. a, I think another really important thing. I like to start small just because I'm really busy, and I don't have it like you always blame me of not watering the garden. Well, I'm busy. So, for me, if it was just me by myself. I mean, if I had, if it was me and the kids, but if it was just me and I was feeding a couple people, I would be small. I would have a small garden that was enough to feed me for that season. Um, You, however, love a huge garden with lots of excess because you like to put up and you like to to process and you like to preserve. Some people aren't going to do that. One of the
1: things you can also do if you're just starting out is just do pot planting. You know, just you can grow in buckets. If you have some old cheap buckets, put your soil in that, make sure there's drainage, um, and use the bucket mm-hmm. and you know then you have a little bit more accessibility if you're super super hot you can also they're mobile like you can move those pots or buckets or whatever around get them into some shade if you have to if they're not working out if they're starting to bolt all that kind of thing but um if i you just don't have pots on if you the don't garden have the space, grabbing food out of the pots. yeah you can just grow out of buckets or pots on the deck and um again figure out what's working for each mm-hmm. variety of plant that you have going on so
0: Yeah. Um, I was also going to say that, again, if you go back to that programs area, the free downloads, you know, that's where we have, we have the sprouting guide. You can start, I'm starting to sprout. I put some sprouts out yesterday in my jars and going to start sprouting again, which I haven't done um, since we moved here. So I'm excited about that. Um, But yeah, we have different tastes just because I think we have different time, (laughs) time issues. Um, And I would say having fresh food at your beck and call is awesome. But if you do too much, you're going to get overwhelmed. And then you may not want to do it again because you might think it's too hard. Yeah. So for me, if you're on a time crunch, but there's nothing better than eating fresh food. Even if it's just out of a pot, you're going to get addicted to that. So then the next year you may want to do more and you may understand it. But time is huge for most people. Well, I think, I mean, what most people are sitting in their car like commuting like for hours a day, you know. So for us, we're, we're commuting a lot now too, but it's different. You know, we, we make the time, I guess it's that make the time thing,
1: but yeah, it's gardens. Gardens are a lot of time. You can start one, but like I said before, uh, a lot of times you just don't have the time to maintain it. Weeding, um, try to get a good system. That's why beds are so nice. Uh, you can snuff weeds out and not have to deal with, you know, the native weeds that were coming up in that area and you know you'll always have seeds flying in especially in the place like where we are with the wind and whatnot but those are a lot easier to manage in a in a garden bed and it's pretty cheap pretty uh pretty effective way to kind of minimize a lot of time and picking weeds because yeah. we used to run like I, I started off without boxes and just ran rows mm-hmm. you know i'd rake up these nice after i'd till it rake up these rows and super easy to do. You're using the the native soil there. It's, it's great. But the weeding that goes into those sometimes, I mean, unless you've had a garden for years and years and years and you've put in the time to get eliminate most of the seeds. Um, yeah, your first few years are going to be a nightmare (laughs) for weeds. So, and then, you know, obviously you're running soaker hoses and things of that nature. You're not watering the weeds outside of your boxes. You're just kind of keeping the roots of your actual plants, uh, watered. Mm -hmm. That's another big one, which is, I've got black plastic down right now around where I'm going to have all my squash plants, my mounds, uh, boxes in some cases. And, uh, that's going to keep the weeds down a lot. And then I'm just going to run soakers, uh, little drip lines actually Mm -hmm. into those squash beds. So, then you're not watering like the sprinkler system yeah it's great it's easy but it's watering everything around your garden so you're gonna have weeds getting watered as well
0: yeah that'll be exciting we never had anything like that in washington yeah we always had to water um
1: yeah, my dad, uh, I talked to him last night. He's already eating romaine and kale out of his garden back home in Washington.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I can't even look at pictures from Washington salad. or Oregon of, of but, gardening or California. Oh, my gosh. It's like so depressing when you think of what we, what we had before. But we did get some raspberries we're going to plant. Um, in our garden, they won't be giving us raspberries this year, but hopefully they'll yeah. work.
1: It's that's some the thing, some clients is, uh, gave them
0: to me. And in
1: the soil that we have, I the don't clay, raspberries kind of like a well drained soil. So, I'm going to be digging trenches to run those and, and kind of adding a soil to it. But yeah, uh, yeah, the clay that they're sitting on, they'd be sitting on right now if I just planted them in a row, it would be terrible. Yeah, so that some work to do
0: well we are we are trying a variety of plants just like we always do and we are also hoping that more than just cabbage and brussels sprouts will grow in our garden everybody tells you (laughs) over
1: here it's like oh well you'll grow a lot of cabbage yeah that's
0: it the neighbor girls are like yeah we grew a garden we got like cabbage (laughs) that's what they said and i was like oh no the cabbage word um so all right Let's see what other questions. So speaking of the chickens, we did get chickens finally. We got a little chicken house. And um, uh, they don't have quite the spread that our chickens had in our old property. But we got a dog kennel to keep them safe for now until someday we're able to build a run for them. But we got this cute little chicken house that some poor guy in an HOA had to get rid of his chickens because they – made him illegal in the HOA. And so he sold this beautiful little chicken house that's ventilated. You can just pick up the roof and pull eggs out. It's so different than what we had. Um, but they live in the dog kennel and predators was a question. Like, how do you keep your, your, your birds safe from predators? And our biggest predator, um, with the dog kennel up is hawks and birds, the predator birds. So we put a, the
1: we just put a bird mesh over the top top. um haven't um, had any issues with fox we've got dogs running around the yard a lot but um that kennel you know what happens is the chickens go in at night they got their little chicken door they go into that so um they're pretty safe if you lock it up but yeah the, the biggest worry was birds hawks we got hawks flying around all day long so um a ten by ten foot kennel with mesh on the top and that kind of eliminated that little threat. But eventually we do wanna have, yeah, a little more free range that and they'll be, you know, still kind of fenced in a little bit. But uh as long as my dogs are out and it kind of keeps the big birds away because they'll probably destroy our chickens pretty fast. Right. We had hawk issues even back in Washington on occasion one would swoop in and yeah. kill a chicken, but yeah out here the birds of prey are pretty thick so
0: so we had a question about somebody saw on our instagram channel or something they saw some little food scraps in in the chicken pen i guess Mm -hmm. and they asked what what are you doing are you giving them scraps and yeah Yeah. we give our chickens so the nice the worst thing that's there's been a few things that suck once you leave a garden and chickens and i mean chickens are natural composters they basically eat your scraps and then they poop it out and they fertilize things and so um living without all that we've been you know composting scraps as best we can in the winter though it's like 40 below outside so we have to freeze our compost scraps in the freezer or leave them outside and then they freeze and it's not most yeah, efficient and
1: that, it's another project you building a good compost site you know yeah. obviously the dogs can't get into and all that and turning it yeah, and using that compost is going to be a, a big deal one of the things with the chicken fertilizer um the chicken manure is well, if you're just starting yeah. out and you don't know um chicken manure is is hot you, it's hot in that it will burn your plants if you just right. put straight chicken manure on your plant so what you got to do is you got to age chicken manure and um, I've always just left it outside and you know, it gets rained on and usually i let it winter over and then I'll use that fertilizer the next spring when we plant. So it takes a while, uh, for your chicken manure to age so that it's actually usable. You can't just put fresh stuff on your, on your plants. Um, first off you wouldn't want to eat it. And then second off it, uh, it would just burn it. So it's really hot. And you'll know when your manure is aged. How I would usually tell is you start seeing worms come into it. You can take a little bit of your manure and put it in like a cup that's got worms. And if those worms die really fast, it's too hot. So usually Mm -hmm. if you mound it in a space that obviously your dogs can't get into. And then once you start noticing, like you stick a shovel in there, worms are starting to infiltrate your pile of chicken manure um then it's not hot anymore and it's been aged enough to where you can use it
0: okay well we had in the past just chickens were able to go into the garden and then fertilize it up In in the winter so that by the time the spring came we could we took them out of there and then that stuff sat there and it wasn't you know it was part of it it's going to be a little different now we'll probably put the chickens in the garden in the winter right yeah
1: um, Until the snow drifts <laughs> come in. And-
0: <laughs> Until we have a four-foot snowdrift on that side of the house. And that's the other question. Somebody asked, do you leave your boxes out all all winter? I'm yeah. guessing we have to because they're full of soil. We wouldn't be able to just pick up a box and move it. We would have yeah. to take everything out of it. It is a challenge here. You can't leave pots outside with soil in them. They'll crack. Um, you do have to, like, if you have pots on your deck or you have to take, take the soil out or put It'll them inside or them. yeah so um but as far as the garden beds, if something happens to them over the winter we just fix them in the spring not,
1: yeah it, uh, it's a lot drier here we're not going to have rot yeah. issues not even close to what we had in washington no. it's always wet all winter long here it's a dry cold winter so um no issues there they'll be fine come springtime and they'll last more years than what we would get even back in Washington, for sure. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about composting and the chicken scraps is really everybody should be composting. It, it, whether I know some cities, you can actually give your scraps, and the city will compost it for you. A lot of places don't do that. They don't even recycle stuff, so I don't know. But I think that having an efficient compost system, whether it's for your Potted plants, your veggies on the deck, um, you know, not just throwing that stuff away. It's a really unused resource that can feed a lot of things. So I encourage people to learn about compost. Maybe we should just do a podcast on compost at some point and, mm-hmm. and how to do a good composting bed. Um I think that's again another thing that kinda helps reduce waste. Um and that's usable. Um, or if you
1: have chickens just just give them that There's certain the things
0: we don't give the chickens so we don't give them avocado they the avocados aren't good for them like avocado seeds and avocado things oh. uh, they don't we give them citrus but they don't really eat it very much like i've noticed the oranges so we don't always give them like oranges and stuff no um, is there they anything like, else we don't give fruits, them of course we don't melons. give them like a bunch of oily greasy stuff but um they will eat meat they like we don't give them meat. You so that wouldn't be a classified vegetarian chicken. But <laughs> no. um, they'll rip apart an animal if well, they fish. had yeah, to. Well, if you fish, throw a slab of fish in there, we'll they'll put destroy fish it. and fish bones in there, which is good. Yeah. They're getting essential fatty acids that way. Right? Yeah. But um, all right, can you believe the difference in those eggs when we cracked them open versus what we've been buying at the store? We've been buying like you know the nice, expensive like vegetarian range-free aids. And they're even still not even close nah, to the yellow. No, they're pale yellow. And then you, you start
1: getting chickens again and, and you crack one side by side and it's like a bright orange. Like, Boy. You know, giving them a good food.
0: The, omegas, the omega content in that yolk of a fresh egg compared to the ones that are, yeah. that are in the store is ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, the food,
1: the food that we give them, I mean, it's good, I think it's 18% protein, which is kind of what you want to maintain to get the max for your egg production um there's some cheaper stuff out there you just don't get as much egg production and right. you'll notice it in the egg yolks they'll start to become pale as well if you don't have a good quality feed. but just layer pellets
0: yep um what grains are we feeding we we feed the chickens a layer pellet right yeah to help them lay yep.
1: mm-hmm. no uh no corn no scratch none of that really um what I've found is if – and even you you don't want to give them too many yard scraps because once you start adding up, if you're doing seeds and corn and scraps and all that kind of thing, you're kind of lowering their protein intake throughout the day, and you will actually um, hurt yourself in egg production.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, uh, I figured that out a few years ago talking to a guy who – I was just sat down and we were just talking about egg production and how you maximize it even throughout the winter. And that's maintaining that level of protein. And a lot of people will feed them corn and, and other things. And you just, when you do that, you're taking away from the protein content. So you're, or that level of like 18%. And then you just notice it in less eggs. And, um, so that's an issue, but we try to just give them a little bit of, you know, what we eat daily, those mm-hmm. types of scraps. And, and, uh, also i think one of the big things people always ask about is egg shells um you know you can give your chickens oyster shells which is a great way to keep calcium up mm-hmm. keeps the eggs uh like when you crack them they're actually a nice firm shell versus if they're very low on calcium you're getting a real weak um, shell that it's just there's not enough calcium in there so that's why people give them oyster shells And there's like this thing where some people don't give them any of their shells back to feed. Mm. I always have. I always just feed them back some of the crushed Mm eggshells that that we've used. Um, Not all of them. We also use a bunch of them for adding calcium to the peppers and the tomatoes. We dry out the Mm eggshells, pulverize them, and use that for the garden.
0: Right now, we have but, a ginormous garbage can full of yeah. those we got to pulverize. So, I feel like we have an abundance right now of Yeah, we got eggs, tons so. of eggshells. Lately, I just throw some of them back in there because we don't yeah. need any more
1: yeah.
0: right now. But Yeah,
1: but where people worry is like if your chickens are eating their own eggs, that can be an issue if you notice that. Um, oh. So, but I've never had a big issue of the chickens eating their own um you know, and I'll crush those eggshells and just put them in with the scraps, and they'll they'll get some uh, some of that calcium back into the into their systems that way.
0: Right. So. Yeah, it's been fun having the chickens back. It's nice to do that. Yep. All right, uh, I think that's all the questions that I have from Instagram that we got. Do you have anything else to add?
1: I think we covered it.
0: All right. Well, uh, we will, of course, everybody can follow us on the Hunt Harvest Health Instagram highlights. We have a section, like I said, the Montana Garden, and I try to post at least uh, weekends tend to be my best time. So I post a bunch of pictures from what I've gathered and the plants and how they're growing, and we'll keep a documentation there of that. Um, We always encourage you again whether it's small or big try to grow some of your own food It's so rewarding and we know that we've missed it after spending a year (laughs) um, Not not having that easy access to to food that we've kind of been used to having so it's It's um, it was really hard last fall to leave our garden um, I think the guy that moved into our house, uh, got a score of, uh, food and he got all our grapes, which we never got to try. We had amazing grapes that were beautiful last year, um, and tomatoes and all that. So we left that and that was hard for us to do. I think leaving our garden was even harder than leaving our, our house. <laughs> um, but now it's kind of fun to start over and be in a new climate and we're just going to. Roll with the punches here and, and see how it works. So, mm-hmm. if all we can grow is cabbage, then um, you know you'll you'll know by the end of the year. But Ryan is d- diligent on the food, so I'm sure that we're gonna we're gonna be fine. All right, you're off. So
1: yep, I'm out of here. Gonna yeah. go hit some backcountry.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> so he won't be around for a few weeks, but I'll be putting some hopefully some podcasts out on something. <laughs> any ideas, let me know. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.